Um, we're going to look at the Word together. Grab your Bibles and turn to, to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to get there in a few minutes. Um, but I want to tell you, kind of set the stage first. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about sin and how sin devastates um, people. That sin's not just a game. That sometimes we think of it as just, oh, it's just doing stuff. But it's not. Sin is something that, that tears us from God. It removes us from His plan. And it devastates people. And no place in the Bible is that more visible than in the story of Adam and Eve. These people that God created this perfect environment for, um, to bless them, or they didn't have to really work. Their work was naming animals, you know, and, and taking care of the garden, whatever that was. I don't think they had to pull weeds, um, which that would have not been a place for me if it was. But I don't think they had to do that. But they're in this perfect place, and they chose to simply reject one of God's rules. And by rejecting the rules... They sinned. In other words, they rejected God's sovereign control over them, and they chose to have Satan's control and their own control in their own lives. They chose, they chose that's what they were really doing. That's what sin is. It's, it's rejecting God's way and going your own way. And they did that, and it cost them everything. It cost them, um, they eventually died. We learned that. It, it marred the image of God in their life. They were cast out of the garden. Um, all these things that happened, the relationship with God was, was greatly altered. Their relationship with one another was greatly altered. And so sin was incredibly devastating in your life. Sin is serious business. Well, today I want us to continue on that thought of sin. And you might go, wow, you're really into the sin stuff. Uh, but I, that's not the point. It's not that I'm trying to say, let's, let's get angry with ourselves or let's feel bad about ourselves. I don't want us to feel bad as we talk about sin, but just the opposite. I want us to find victory and freedom over sin. Because that's what Jesus came to do in this world. Jesus came to give people victory over sin. Scripture says, whom the Son has set free is what? Is free indeed. What's that freedom from? It's freedom from the chains of sin. That's what Jesus came to do. And I could not think of a better thing that we could talk about on Independence Day than freedom. And the greatest freedom isn't freedom of a nation. I celebrate the fact, we've celebrated already, the fact that we have freedom in Jesus. That's what is a nation. That's wonderful. But the greatest freedom we have is freedom from sin. That we as people bound and, de- and set on a path for hell from the day we are born, can be, those chains can be broken. We can raise our hands in freedom and say, now I'm a child of God destined for eternity in heaven with my Lord. So it's the ultimate Independence Day message today, talking about freedom um, from sin. What we're going to do is we're going to go start back at the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look a bit closer than we did the first time we looked at Genesis 3, and we're going to look closer kind of just at the, the sin of, that Adam and Eve got involved in. And primarily we're going to focus on Eve here. Now don't think I'm being sexist in that. It's just that it tells the story about how she was deceived, and Adam just followed her, um, but how the process of how she was deceived. And, and here's my objective today as we look at that in the story today. What I want us to do is I want us by the end of today to see the process that Satan used to get them to sin. I want us to be able to see what did he do in their lives to cause them to willingly reject God's way and go his way. Because that's what sin is. Just think, that's a big deal. They were walking with God in the cool of the day, enjoying the perfect environment, and something it's so insidious happened, so deceptive and tricky happened that they were able, that they willingly traded that away and began to walk after a different God, after the after Satan. So something very real happened. I want us to be able to identify that process. Because if we can identify that process, I think that we can recognize it then when he uses the exact same process in our own lives. 
Because understand something, friends. Uh, he does that. He'll use the same process he used on Adam and Eve in our lives to try to get us to do the same thing they did. And that's reject God, his word, and his ways. Now, we need to realize something here. And I, and I say this, and it's the perfect audience to say this today to. Because primarily, we're just family here. People who have been around for a long time, serving God for quite a while. We need to realize something, friends, as a group of people who have, who have walked with the Lord, um, many of us for a long time, that the teaching we're going to look at today is not some elementary teaching. It's not, it's not nursery school stuff. Um, and what I mean by that is I, 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 I'm always concerned that when we deal with certain things that maybe people have thought about in the past, um, if they've walked with God, they do something, and they don't maybe consciously do it, but they turn their mind off um, in a church service and say, well, I know this already. I don't really need to hear this again. And they turn their mind off, and they begin to think about, well, later on today, I'm going to make brats and hamburgers on the grill. And I got this, I'm going to get together here, and the kids are coming from there. And, and you begin to think about something else. So I need to understand today, uh, we can't turn our ears off um, because this is not elementary school. In fact, um, I think that this may be more necessary for those of us who have walked with the Lord for a while um, than, than for anybody else to hear because the approach that Satan uses on Eve to get her to sin is the approach that he uses on people who do follow the Lord, people who do know his word. Have you ever thought of that before? We look, we look at this, this situation where Eve and Adam choose to reject God, and he approaches them in a way as people who do know the word and do walk with God. They've been walking with God every single day in absolute connectivity to God, um, physically walking with God, and he approaches them in a way as a person who does follow God and does know the word of God. And so this is really important stuff because if you're in this room, you're probably a person who falls into that category, a person who to some level knows the word of God and to some level um, has a desire to walk after God. And this is the process he uses on people like us to get us to sin. You see, I found something, friends, no matter how long you've walked with God, that Satan never stops trying to destroy God's people. He never stops trying to get us to do what Eve did and reject God's word and God's ways. Scripture is full of stories of godly people who walked with God for long periods of time and then in the end they chose to reject God and walk away from him and sin often near the end of their lives. We talked about this a little bit in men's breakfast last month. Some of you men were there. We talked about King Asa who did that. He walked with God for all these years and he celebrated as a great king, but near the end of his life he chose to say, well, in pride, I know how to do it myself now. And he said he stopped seeking God. And even when he got sick, he didn't go to God. He went to physicians and God said, you know what, I'm not going to heal you because of this and I'm not going to help you in this, in this battle. As a matter of fact, the outcome was that God had a plan to destroy his enemies and Asa just won a battle but didn't destroy the enemy. He thought he won, but he really lost because all the enemy was alive and well and later came back and, and came against the people of Israel. And so um, oftentimes people will walk with the Lord for a while. People like David, who walked with God, had all these battles, and then for what reason, the man who could have everything, why would he stand on his roof, look down and see a lady bathing, and say, I'm going to kill her husband and take her as my wife? How could you conceive of that in your mind? You've walked with God for all this time. Or Moses, who had seen God do miracles. Can you imagine being the one with the staff who comes to the Red Sea and God says, stretch out the staff? And he does, and the sea parts and can walk up to, to um, Pharaoh and say, this is going to happen, plagues are going to come, locusts, frogs, gnats, boils, and everything you say happens. 
at the end of your life, you're frustrated with the people you're leading, and God says, go speak to a rock, and instead just smack it with a stick. You, don't, you completely reject what God said at the end, and you do it your own way. And because of that, remember the outcome? God takes him to a hill and says, look at the promised land, Moses. You can see it from afar, but you can't enter in. It's not uncommon for us as regular flesh and blood people who live in day in, day out worlds that we walk with God for a period of time, but then in the end, we choose to do things that reject God. You know, friends, it is way too often that we hear in the news of supposedly mature Christians who are exposed for some type of terrible sin. You know, we're hearing it in the news again right now, and you probably know the details better than I do. You know, of one of our fellow churches just up the road that, you know, exposed for a horrible sin involved in the church. It's not just in some other organization, some other denomination. It's right in our, in our backyard. It happens all the time, and I am tired of hearing about this. This isn't elementary school stuff. This isn't something that's just for, for babies. This is for those of us who have walked with God for a long time, and often we get lazy Often we get desensitized to the reality of sin. We stop looking for Satan attacking. When we, before we knew the Lord, we understood what it was like to have Satan and, 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 and evil involved in our lives. But now we've come to God, and we've forgotten it often, and we get lazy like Eve did. We get lazy, and we allow Satan to come and, and, and tempt us and get us to reject God. So I want all of us to see the process that Satan used on Eve to get her to choose to reject God and choose to sin. Now, before we actually look at that process, it's going to be a three-part process we're going to look at. Um, I want us first to think about something that's a little more foundational, but it goes to why this is so important. You ever ask yourself this question? Why did Satan even care about getting Adam and Eve to sin? You ever think about that? Why would he have gone through the process, the effort, to come as a serpent, talk to Eve get her to question all these things about God and then reject God and choose to sin. Why did he do that? It's for a very important reason. To destroy what God loves so much. You see, man is the climax of his creation. We saw that. It says that man was created in the image of God. That we are infinitely greater and more important than any animal ever. God said those are good. He said we're very good because we're made in his image. We're above the animals created to rule over all of creation. And Satan wants to destroy the relationship that God and man were meant to have. Man and God were meant to walk together like they did in the garden in the cool of the day. Satan wants to destroy that. Why? Because Satan hates God. The best we can tell from Scripture is that Satan is a fallen angel. Was probably the, the choir director in heaven. That's what we, we, the best we can figure out. Probably a choir director, probably the head angel who, was, who had a great place of prominence, the greatest created being that, that, that probably looked at because of sin and because of pride and said, you know what, I don't want to just direct the praise towards this God. I want to receive the praise of this towards, that this God is getting. And he chose to reject God and God said he and a third of the angels were cast down. Because of that, Satan hates God. And because Satan hates God, friends, Satan hates people. He wants to destroy what God loves, and that's you and me, because he wants to destroy the relationship that God can have with us, because he wants to hurt God. You say, well, why is that so important to know as we start thinking about the process that Satan used to get Eve to sin? Here's why. 
because you need to know that Satan hates you. You need to understand that Satan hates you. You know, one of the things I hate about the, the pluralism of our world is so many ways, but, you know, like you see the, the, the Asian yin and yang. You understand what that is? The, the, the black and the white circle divided in half. And what it really simply means is good and evil are two equal opposing forces. That's not true. God's infinitely greater. And sin isn't just some, some equal kind of force out there. Satan is real and Satan hates you. Satan is real and Satan hates me and he wants what you have with God destroyed. He wants to ruin your walk with God in an attempt to hurt God. You say, well, you're really over the top this morning, Pastor Mark. No, I'm not. I'm being honest to Scripture. He hates you. Satan, first of all, in this world, works to keep people who don't know the Lord, keep them from ever coming to God, the Father, through Jesus the Son. He lies and he blinds and he raises up false religions. And I think next week we're going to possibly look at kind of a definition of what false religion is. I'm just praying about that. He raises these things up as attempts to divert people from what the truth really is. But then if somebody kind of works their way through all the mess and they come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, he then works to ruin what they have. You know, you need to know that Satan, the Bible says, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say he's like a cute little cuddly kitty cat sitting to lick your hand and drink milk out of a saucer. He says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may play with. No, whom he may devour. That's who Satan is. That's who our adversary is. You know what? Do, so, do something. Tell the person next to you, say, you know what? Satan hates you but Jesus and I love you. <laughs> you're in a place where you're loved. You're in a place where you're loved, but you're also in a world where you're hated. And it's good for you to know that. It's good to know that you have an enemy that's against you because it will make you aware of the fact that you have an enemy. I think the primary way... Anybody ever heard of a guy back... This is when I first got saved. Keith Green? Keith Green, yeah, he was my hero. It, you know... And uh, he sang a song about the devil. And in one of the songs, he said, it's getting very easy now because they don't even believe in me anymore. That's the world we live in. It's yin and yang. It's just forces. Wrong. It's just not forces. There's a real devil who hates you. He's like a roaring lion and he wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. Guess what? God's on your side if you're a child of the king. You don't, a child of the king and you don't have to worry about the devil. But you do need to be aware of what he's trying to do. And if you're aware of it, you can stand opposed to it. You stand opposed to it. He cannot defeat you. Guess what? I'm not afraid of the devil in the slightest bit of any of his ploys. We don't need to be. We just need to walk in the truth and the security and the safety of God's word. That's all we have to do. So let's look at this process that Satan used to get Eve to sin um, and to reject God and follow his ways instead of God's ways because if we see this process, I really believe that we'll be able to identify it when he begins to do it in our lives. And this is what my hope is I go through this. I'm hoping that as I'm talking about this, there's going to be little mini epiphanies going on all over the place. You're going to go, you know what an epiphany is? It's that aha, that aha, aha moment, you know? That you're going to go, oh, that's why that, that's why I think that way. That's why that happened. Or you're going to look at somebody else oftentimes it's easier to see sin in somebody else's lives. We're quite blind to ourselves often. And you go, that's why they acted like that. That's why they chose to do that. Because this is, Satan's not real creative. He's got this process and he uses it over and over in lives of people like you and I. People who love the Lord and know his word. 
So let's look at the first part. It's a three-part process. Let me tell you that up front. Three parts, and I tried to get somewhat um, easy for you to remember this. So I'm using some alliteration here. Three Ds to start th- that we're going to look at. Um, three-part process of using doubt. I'll tell you all three up front. Doubt, denial, and delusion. And that's the process that he uses to get people, got, got Eve to sin here. The process he tries to use doubt. starts with doubt, moves to denial, and then he goes to delusion. Let's look at the first one. Satan starts by causing doubt. Um, Satan attacks Eve's greatest defense against Satan. What's his great, her greatest defense against Satan? God had said, Eve, you may do all of this except you may not do that one thing. Her greatest defense against Satan was simply understanding what God had told her. Now we call it this. We say it's the word of God, right? And so he attacks her in that, in that place. You know what? I didn't read the text, did I? Let's grab our Bible. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me of that, young lady. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, before we look at doubt. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, for food, and that it was delightful to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. The process in that, in that there, it's a, it's a process that he used. The first part of the process is he chose to cause doubt in her mind. He attacks the greatest defense she has, which is her understanding of the Word of God. He gets her to doubt what God had really said to her. Now, God had given her, we see clearly here, given her some very specific instructions about what Adam and Eve could and could not do in the garden. And Satan comes to Eve and works at causing her to have a level of doubt about what had God really said. Understands that what happened? She knew clearly what God had said. He comes and says, is that really what happened? Is that really what's going on? He's trying to get her to doubt what God had really told her. God knew that his instructions, and understand this today, his instructions that he had given them in the garden were meant to be protective, right? He had said, eat from any tree except this one. He's trying to protect them. He knows if they eat that tree, they reject God's way, they're going, to be, they're, they're going to be changed, and they're going to die as a result. And God says, don't eat from that tree. So he tries to protect them, keeping them from harm. But Satan gets Eve to believe that God's rule to stay away from that tree was not protective, but rather it was restrictive, keeping her from experiencing greater things in life. And I want to tell you, this one point here, especially teenagers and young people, listen to me, this is the primary way Satan is going to get you to begin to doubt God's word. He tries to get you to believe that God's word is restrictive. Say, well, everybody else is doing it. I just want to have some fun. 
Why do I have to live this way? All the rest of the world lives that way. And you begin to feel, I just talked to, to a family member who just made a response to come to Christ. And I said, you know, the, you, you feel like God has put you in a straitjacket living his word. Right? Yeah, well, that's the way I feel. Well, you don't understand. That's the opposite. God's word is not ever meant to be restrictive. God's word is meant to be protective, like a hedge of protection put around his people. And he given them the word, and he said, don't go to eat from that one tree. And Satan comes in, and he tries to, to cause doubt. And the way he tries to cause doubt is he says, listen, God's not trying to protect you. God's trying to restrict you. And so she begins to doubt God's instructions were best for her. Does that make sense? How many times does Satan come at you and he tries, you know the word of God, she knew the word of God, we know the word of God, and we're confronted with something from the word and we say, well, is this really best for me? Think of an example from earlier in the service. Pastor Bruce talked about blessings, talked about giving, and talked about tithing, you know, giving 10% of your income to the Lord. A person can say, but I understand, I can't afford that. I can't afford to live that way. I can't hardly pay my bills. I can't afford to give that to God. They don't understand. Satan's whispering in your ears and saying, you can't live without it. God's trying to protect you. He's put a plan in place that says, I want you to show me that you trust me. If you give me a tithe of everything that you have, then I will, what's it say in the word? I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. He said, so big that it can't even be contained. That's the blessing you pour out into your life. And so Satan starts whispering in your ears, you know, God is trying to restrict you. He just doesn't want you to have a new four-wheeler. He doesn't want you to have a new boat. He doesn't want you to have a new car. He's restricting you, but really what God is saying, I'm trying to protect you so that you can live in blessing. And Satan comes at us and tries to get us, he tries to get us to to not understand and not trust what God is telling us is really protective for us. Now I see primarily two ways that Satan attempts to get Eve to doubt God's word in this text. Two primary ways that he gets them. These are ways that he'll try to get us to doubt. The first way is this. Satan challenges the accuracy of God's word to her. He challenges, is the word accurate? He says this, hasn't God said that you could eat from any tree in the garden? He starts playing word games. So Eve, hasn't God said you could eat from any of the trees in the garden? Eve, what is God really saying to you? He asked her, didn't he really say you could eat from anything in the garden? Isn't that really what the word of God has to say to you? He wants her to doubt the very clear and accurate instruction that God had given her, saying you could eat from anything except from, this tree, from this, this tree. And friends, we encounter this all the time. People are always being tempted to challenge the accuracy of God's word. And I hear it like this. They say, well, Pastor Mark, thou shalt not steal can't really mean that I need to report all of my income to the IRS at tax time. It can't really mean that. That's not really what that could mean. They begin to challenge the accuracy of what God teaches. It says, you know what, they say something like this, or you know what, God can't literally mean from his word that I should not look at another woman lustfully. Um, you know, pastor, it's all right to look as long as you don't touch. Now, have you heard the same things? They challenge the accuracy. They say that can't really be. They read the very clear instructions from God, and they say that really can't be what it means. Friends, because if Satan can get you to doubt that God's word means what God's word says it does, then he is an open door to get you to disobey God. So he attacks the word as accuracy, trying to cause doubt in your mind. There's another way, though, that Satan attempts to get us to doubt God's word, and this is maybe even more, more effective for us when we walk with God. Satan challenges the acceptability 
of God's word to us. Satan says like this. He says, look, Eve. This is what he says in the text. He says, I'm not stretching the text at all. He says, look, Eve, that fruit will make you wise. Eve, it's unacceptable for you to be shorted by God like this. It's unacceptable for you, Eve, to live with this limitation where you don't have the wisdom that you should have. You deserve to be wise, Eve. You deserve it. Eve, God's standards just are too unacceptable. You know what? Um, Our society has grown past this, Eve. Our society has become more progressive, Eve, and you just need to understand that this is all right for you. He begins to challenge the acceptability of God's word. Friends, I find many Christians trust in the accuracy of God's word, but refuse to accept God's word for them in certain situations and areas in their lives where it really kind of causes discomfort in their lives. You know, people have a hard time accepting God's way if it conflicts with their desires. So Satan whispers, don't pay attention to that. That's not fair. That's judgmental. That's old-fashioned. And to begin, how many times do we hear that in the church world in relationship to the Word of God? They say, well, we understand what it means, but that can't possibly be applied to my life. It's just not fair to be like that. He's getting people to doubt if they really should live according to God's ways. And that's where he started with Eve. Do you see that? That's where he starts with Eve. He causes her to doubt what God said to her. Then he goes on in the process. Part two of the process. The second step is that he moves from doubt to denial. He moves from doubt to denial of God's word. Look at verse four. Look at what a crazy statement he says here. Verse four. He says, you won't die. God says you will die. And Satan says, if you eat that, you won't die. It's a flat contradiction of what God had said. And this goes beyond this doubting. This goes from doubting what God said to actually denying what God says. God says you will die. Satan says you won't die. Friends, understand this right here. Here's the pivotal point in this whole temptation. The whole temptation hinged on the matter of belief. Who would Eve believe, God or Satan? God's over here saying, if you eat it, you will die. Satan's over here saying, if you eat it, you will not die. And Eve's in the middle, and she's got to make a choice. Will I believe God, or will I believe Satan? Because I don't believe for a second she ate that fruit and said, oh, goody, I'm going to die now. She, right? She didn't. She goes, oh, give me the fruit. I want to die. No, she said, I want to be wise. She chose to believe a lie. She chose to believe God or Satan and not believe God. The whole temptation hinged on the matter of belief. Who would she believe? And friends, we face these choices every day. Will we believe and obey God's word or will we reject God's word? Um, We'll reject what he says to us. See, I have found that when we walk in sin, and all of us have situations in our life that we can examine where we have chosen to sin, that it's not that we really don't know what is right and what is wrong. Rather, we deny the truth and choose to believe a lie and walk in error. Isn't that true? We choose to put the truth aside and choose to believe something that's not true. Now, I'll prove it to you. You think of a Christian or maybe a person who's walked away from Christianity, a former Christian, that you know who chose to get involved in some, some deep sin. Now, all sin is ugly and all sin is deep, but sometimes we see some things that are just, they're more, they're more noticeable, they're more catastrophic, they cause more harm. Think of somebody you know who's chosen to do that. They got involved in an adulterous relationship. They got involved in embezzling money from a company. Some big thing. 
that then was revealed later. And I'll be honest. These people, and when I say these people, remember, I point the finger, there's three more pointing back at me. It's not a judgmental statement because we all choose to do this in different degrees. These people really did know what was right and wrong, didn't they? They didn't really believe it wasn't wrong. They really knew it was wrong. These are people who knew the word. They walked with God. I said Christian people. They made a choice to believe Satan over God. He made a statement to Eve, you won't die. He makes similar type of statements, comments to them that he whispers in their ears. He says things like, you won't get caught. People will understand. We had a situation where we know of someone who went through a divorce and uh, a husband, a, a man and a woman both left their families, divorced, ran off together, caused all kinds of carnage, and then looked at the children years later and said, we don't understand. We really thought that someday we'd all sit around a table together and you'd be so happy for us. They literally said that. It came out of their mouths. They chose to believe a lie. They, they, they chose to believe this. They said, you know what? They made a choice to believe Satan's lie over God's word. And they really know better. When we choose to do this, we really do know better. They just chose to reject God's ways. It's denial of God's truth. That's what it's all about. We go from being deceived to questioning God's word to denying God's word. But then we come to the part that it, where the sin becomes full-blown. And it's the third step in the process, and it's this. We go from denial to delusion. Because sin is about delusion. Getting involved in sin is about being deluded. Look at verse 5. It's probably the, one of the craziest statements made in all the Bible. It says, Eve, if you eat the fruit, you will become just like God. Here's a snake talking to Eve who's lived with God. He's created her out of a rib, made a perfect garden for her, has the perfect man for her. Remember, they're made for each other. Some of you think, I got the perfect one. They had the perfect one. Created for each other, living in the garden, have everything, and a snake comes up and hisses at her and says, you know what? If you eat this apple, or whatever it was, you'll become just like God. That's the craziest statement ever said in all the Bible. Eve knew how great God was. He knew who, what he was. She walked with him in the cool of the day. She would have to have been delusional to believe that she could eat the fruit, gain some knowledge, and become just like God. But friends, when we open the door to sin, understand this, it leads us to a place of delusion. When we choose to get involved in sin and entertain sin, we come to a place of being delusional. We believe crazy things. We believe I won't get caught. We believe it's really okay to do it because I need the thing, so I'll steal it. We believe the kids will really sit around the table and celebrate with us. We're so happy you divorced our mom and dad and went together and ran off together. They, they believe that. They believe delusion. People understand they when we deny God's word and choose to open the door to sin, friends, we no longer walk under the protection of God and his word, and we become vulnerable to the spirit of delusion. And that's what happens. I believe there's a legitimate spirit from Satan of delusion that causes us to believe crazy things. Eve believed, I'll become like God. And we believe that everything will work out just fine if we choose to walk in sin. And let me give you some illustrations from society that prove that it's true. In our society today, we believe something. We believe that it is wrong to spank your child. 
Matter of fact, you got kids in school, you know this. You got to be so careful. You leave a mark on your kid, they tell social services, bam, they step in and take your kid, right? Is that the world we live in? Some of you are school teachers and former school teachers. You understand it's true. We believe it's wrong to spank your child. I personally believe it's all right to spank your child under certain circumstances. But understand this about delusion. But we believe it's okay to kill an unborn child. Talk about delusion. We believe it's wrong to go to little precious Johnny, who's a monster, who just you know stole candy from the candy aisle at the store, and give him a rap on his butt and tell him, now listen, Johnny, you're wrong, but it's all right to take that baby, even if it's very last days before it's born, and basically without being gross, rip it to shreds within the mother's womb, and we call it a choice. Friends, it's delusion that could cause you to believe that. A person has to be deluded. I'm not, and I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just telling you the truth. They are deluded. They are deceived to believe that, that it could be wrong to spank a baby, but right to destroy it and rip it into little pieces. It's delusional. It's illogical. It's beyond just denying God's word. It's delusional to think that it's okay to kill a baby, but it's wrong to spank a baby. Friends, you know what that is? That's sin coming full-blown to where a spirit of delusion begins to take over and you begin to think something. But let me give you another example. Not maybe from our society right now today, although it is going on in certain dimensions, especially with the sex trade in our society, but those not church people involved in that, hopefully. But let's think, let's back our time clock up 100 years to our ancestors in America. We believed as the church world. Remember, America was founded. We celebrated today the great experiment, celebrating that we're here because we want to have religious freedom and worship God. Isn't that what America's all about? But our ancestors thought it was all right. We believed all people are created in the image of God. We wrote a constitution saying we all have inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And we believed that, but we thought it was all right to take people simply because of the color of their skin and, and treat them like animals and enslave them. It's delusion. It's delusional to believe that everybody's created in the image of God and then take one class of people and treat them like animals and enslave them. You know, to be a Christian and to know God's word, yet to totally be blind to something so obvious is a result of a spirit of delusion. And this is where people make the choices in their lives that destroy their families, that derail their callings and their careers, that those terrible choices with terrible consequences, that you, you turn the news on and you see pastor so-and-so did this, or deacon somebody did that, or somebody, member of such a church, they always add it, was involved in this. It's the stuff that hits the news. And friends, this is the last step in Satan's path to sin. It allows Christian people to do all types of things that are in opposition to God's word and God's ways because delusion keeps them from seeing clearly. And friends, that's exactly what happened to Eve. She started where Satan started to cause her to doubt God's word. What's God really said about this? We're reading the text. You got the text in your hand, Eve. You know, he says, eat anything but that tree. We have the text that says, thou shalt not commit adultery. We have the text begin to doubt, is that what it really says? And it's denial. God didn't really say that. Well, that can't be what that is. That's not applicable to me. God can't really mean that. The deny it. We open up the door, and the Satan comes in with the spirit of delusion. We begin to believe all kinds of crazy things. Well, if I do this, if I eat this, 
I'll become like God. I won't really get caught. I won't really have to pay the consequences. It's not really that bad. And we get involved in all kinds of things that tear our lives up and tear the lives up of other people. Church, let's use Eve's failure to be a warning to Satan's schemes. Because I'm tired of seeing Christian people fall. I'm tired of seeing Christian marriages break up. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing Christian people have moral failure. I'm tired of Christians um, with life-controlling addictions. I don't believe any of these things have to be. I believe they all start by opening up a door. Satan begins to whisper, begin to to doubt what's God really said. Then we begin to deny that can't be what he really said. And then we begin deluded and say, well, I can believe something totally opposed to God's word. You know what? Jesus came to give us freedom. Amen? And we need to walk in that freedom. And part of that is recognizing the schemes of the devil and not falling for his trap. So how do we overcome it? We simply come to know God's word. We make a decision today that I will follow God's word and ways always. You know when you make a decision about adultery? You know when you make a decision about, about honesty with your finances? You know when you make decisions about how, telling the truth or telling lies? You make it today when you're not tempted. And you say, I, as a person of God, will choose to serve God and walk in his ways always. And then when the temptation comes, guess what? You made the decision back there. You don't even have to doubt. You don't have to mess with it. You don't have to say, oh, should I or shouldn't I? You made the decision already. Now you just walk the decision out in your life. Friends, you don't make excuses. You don't cut corners. You don't twist the truth to satisfy yourself. If we do that, we'll see Satan's schemes for what they were. Just think. Just think of this whole story. If Eve just would have looked at Satan, he went through his whole spiel, he looked at Satan and she said, you're dumber than a box of rocks. God said, I can eat anything except for that. I know exactly what he said. And Satan, if you think I can eat an apple and become like God, you're dumber dumber than a snake. Just go slither away somewhere and get lost. Just think if she simply would have stood there and just said, this is what God said. None of it would have happened. But friends, you know what? Let's not be too hard on on Eve because we're all tempted to do the exact same things. And remember, our enemy is like a roaring lion. He hates you and he wants to deceive you. He wants to destroy you. And this is one of the processes he uses. So you know what you do? You need to learn the word of God. And you need to choose to obey it today and every day of your life. And then you don't, when when the temptation for adultery comes, you won't give in. When the temptation for something else comes, you won't give in because you made the decision all the way back here. Does that make sense? Amen. Stand with me this morning.